Ladies and gentlemen, around the world, this is Gavina T.K. Kirkland. You're listening to the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the T.K. Kirkland Podcast, and this beautiful sister, <laughs> comedian, super fine. Oh. Um, I met her years ago, and she opened up for me in Birmingham, Alabama. And pretty much all my friends and fans know I got a smart-ass mouth. Woof. And apparently she opened up for me, and I said, oh, this girl wasn't funny, but I'll fuck her though. Blah blah blah. Fast forward. This happened in 2012. I haven't been to Birmingham, Alabama in ten years. This woman made sure she spoke to me and held that on her heart for ten years to sit down and talk to my dressing room professionally. But I felt her passion, and I said, "You know what? We're not going to really discuss it." Today, I want to put you on my podcast so that we can talk and then I can do the proper thing so the whole world can hear me say it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So from your point of view, I know I've said it, but I want them to hear what you felt and what you thought I did to you. Okay. Um, so it was actually in... Bessemer, Alabama, which is a, you know, suburb of Birmingham, but it's my actual hometown. So a high school friend had asked me to do this show. I didn't know who I was on the lineup. I just said yes, because it was a high school friend and it was in my hometown. So when the flyers and posters came out, it was me and you. And I wasn't that familiar with you at that time. So I looked up some of your stuff and saw that, you know, you can be a little, a little blue, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, I wanted to make sure that anyone who came to see you would also enjoy me, even though right. I kind of do a different style of comedy. So I consciously right. and intentionally curated and crafted a 15-minute set of what I thought they would really love. Mm-hmm. And right before I went on stage, um, I was told that you weren't there yet and that I needed to do 30 minutes instead of 15, which was not a problem. However, it wasn't going to be 30 minutes well curated for this crowd. So by the time I got into the second half of the show to just kind of feel time, uh, that's when you got there. And so that's what you observed. I, I wasn't, it wasn't trash. but okay. mm-hmm. So um, after I got off stage, I went and sat down in the front row of the audience because I wanted to watch your show. And that was the first thing you said when you came on stage was, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. baby girl, you're not funny, but I'm funny. Right. And it was like, whoa, who is this dude? What? Right. What? Hold on, what happened? And it, I just was so taken aback because we had never met before. We didn't have any history. There was no point of reference for you and I or for that type of comment. And I do have some comedian friends that we would kind of joke about, oh, yeah, that's going to be my baby mama, ha-ha, whatever. But we uh-huh. had never met before. And uh, I was highly offended. Uh-huh. Um, not that you wanted to uh, screw me. That's that's normal. <laughs> but say the last part that again. You said I was funny. That was the part no, I was. Say the last funny. part again. I said I was more offended that you said I wasn't funny than you said you wanted to screw me. Right. I want to be clear about what was the most offensive part. <laughs> right. Right. I understand. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it wasn't that I held it in my heart. It was just that was my only point of reference for you in my whole right. entire life. So anytime I did see your face on, you know, social media or hear your name or whatever, no, it did not bring a warm, fuzzy feeling. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm known to do like that. This guy. Let me tell you what this guy did. Mm-hmm. So when I saw you recently, I did not know how many years it had been. I knew it had been some years. It wasn't until you told me it was 2012 that I realized it had actually been 10 years. Right. And that's the thing I thought was interesting. I was like, wow. So. I wanted to say, Unique, that I apologize for being um, disrespectful to you, sister, and I just wanted to let you know that. And I wanted to do it on my show so you know that I was sincere. My dog, my dog heard you, and she appreciates it and accepts your apology as well. <laughs> yeah, I had that effect on dogs, too. Oh, I'm so sure. <laughs> No, I accept the apology. I appreciate it. It is, We are moving on in life from that. And mm-hmm. I did ask you, and I would love for you to answer this because you said you were going to tell me, um, why could you offer this apology 10 years after the fact when you didn't even remember me, you didn't remember the incident, I reminded you of the incident, and then you apologized. But that night when I was telling you that I was offended and I was upset and you would not offer me an apology, you said, oh, I've made stars. I give everybody a hard time. It's not make stars. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that was jacked up. Right, Why were you able to do it now versus then? Um, I, well, one, you know, my, if I had to do it all over again, I still would do it again. I, uh, I would still do it again. But really? the thing is, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, anybody has couple, anybody has mentored, I've always explained to them, that you live with your decision, and you just have to ride with it. So, but as a gentleman, see, there's two sides to me. There's T to the motherfucking K, and then there's Mr. Kirkland. So the gentleman side of me apologized to you because I didn't want to have that effect on you, and I wanted to have some type of forgiveness from you. So that you wouldn't, um, every time you saw my name or my name came up, you wouldn't have that unwanted, fuzzy feeling. And it was the right thing to do. And when you have daughters, too, it gets you, um, it makes you think differently how if you say something to a woman, would you want somebody to say something like that to your to your daughter? So all those hmm. things, I'm quite sure, had a factor. Okay. So that's the reason why I did it. So let's tell the world um, what you're doing, what you're getting into, your style of comedy. Let's get people to follow you, et cetera, et cetera. Wonderful. Well, my name is Eunice Elliott. My entire name, and that's where you can find me on all social media, at Eunice Elliott. I'm a writer. I'm an actress. I'm a comedian. Uh, you can see me in a couple of national commercials right now, like for Sonic and Cancun Beauty and Sprout Supermarket. I just had my first primetime appearance on TV on Queen Sugar. They just wrapped up their mm-hmm. final season. And yeah. um, I'm just looking to do more writing. So if you follow me, you'll okay. get to see the adventures in real time. So let's tell the people, um, what have you written? 
I've written several of what someone can see right now, several online comedy sketches. It's a group called It's a Southern Thing, and you can find uh-huh. them on Facebook, Instagram, mostly on YouTube. I've written a few of those comedy sketches that have and starred in some of those that have gone viral. And uh, I've written my first full feature script. I've signed a release with a production company in L.A., but it's not. it hasn't happened yet. So yeah. right now most of what you can see would be the online comedy sketches. Okay, cool. Now, what kind of style of comedy do you do? Um, it's very uh, observational. I talk about my life being a single black woman uh, in America. I talk about mm-hmm. um, just getting older. I talk about you know life events. I'm a, tele- a former television news anchor, so a lot of times because I still enjoy knowing what's going on in the world, I like to offer my unique point of view on what we're all talking about. So it's pretty, if I had to just say in short, it's pretty observational. Okay. Just what's going on, right. yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you perform again. And my other thing is, like, so what would you like to accomplish with your career? Oh, wow. You know, that's a great question. And I've been trying to figure out the answer for myself. I'm a person who I have no attachments or interest in actual fame. I don't really want everybody to know who I am. I would like for a lot of people to enjoy what I create, and I would like to be able to live a lifestyle that I would like to live. So <laughs> that dollar amount remains to be seen, but, you know, I've never been motivated by money. So the career, I would like to make people think and laugh and dream, and I'd like to be able to get cheese on that whenever I want to. Okay. So what yeah, is that Not famous, right. but success. So if, if you, if, how, how would you rate yourself? as a writer, scale of 1 to 10 for a script? Oh, wow. For a script, I would say because I've never had one actually full-scale produced, I would say I'm about a 7 because I'm sure I still have a lot to learn. But as far mm-hmm. as story premise and structure and telling a story, I would give myself a 10. Is that right? Yeah, I can tell a great story about anything. But, you know, when you start writing scripts and giving stage directions and screen directions, I might not be a 10 on that. I'll be a 7, and then once I learn how to do that, I'll, I'll, I'll up my number on that one. Okay, okay. All right. Because mm-hmm. I'm listening to you talk, and I'm trying to see how I hire you for something. So that's what I'm I'm listening to. Okay, well, so I'm really good. Like other people. So I'm really good at listening to other people's style and sensibilities, and then I can write things for them. So that's why also when you say what's something I've written that I would know, well, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but it's other people that do the material um, mm-hmm. that I enjoy with different personalities and kind of telling their story, helping them tell their story. Right, right, right. Okay. That's and I also right. do that for companies and brands. I do copywriting. So there's a lot of companies that I write their social media posts. I write their email newsletters. I write their blogs because I really enjoy writing. And a lot of times people can have a business idea and be a really successful business person, but they're not into um, – they're not telling a compelling story to get the support or the engagement or the audience or the customers. And so mm-hmm. that's what I do. Now, um what do you think how thinking what do you think of how comedy has changed in your years? Like what have you seen as stand up comedy has changed since you've begun? Well, I when I started comedy I didn't realize that and I'm gonna say all men and men hate when I say all men, but I didn't realize okay. how all men think they're funny. I didn't realize mm. that when I started. 
<laughs> and so what it has taught me is that most men, if not all, think they should be stand-up comedians. And so in the 15 years that I've been a, a comedian, if I introduce myself to a man and he doesn't know that I'm a comedian and I tell him I'm a comedian, their response is always, oh, yeah, everybody tells me I should try it. Or, oh, I've thought about doing it. Or, oh, I did it one time in college. And that's been the most surprising thing. Now, that trend has translated, I think, to the stage where I feel a lot of people are doing comedy who might not be comedians. Mm-hmm. They might be yeah, personalities, I, you know, right? but I don't think they're necessarily comedians. Right. But they're selling out and clubs, some, you know? I think, it, <laughs> you know, it's a new thing. Yeah, and some might get there, and some may not, but from when I started to now, oh, yeah, it's, it's there's not a lot of talent right. out there that I see. I, I see a lot of comedians, but I don't see true talent. A lot of comedians can't do clean material. Um, they get upset when I tell people I want them to be clean. And they don't have, I tell people they don't have their comic IQ is low. And what I mean mm. by that is, as me as a headliner, I don't want the same topics or everybody using profanity by the time it gets to the headliner. Because it mm -hmm. can be just tapped on and talked about so much that by the time that the audience may not care. But I care of the content. Right. And that's what comes by. That's interesting. So I didn't realize you prefer, even though you're not clean, you prefer your openers be clean. So that way we're I, not just tired of hearing cussing and stuff. Exactly. So when I come mm -hmm. on, it's truly a shock value. But if everybody's mm -hmm. talking the way I'm talking, by the time I get on, I'm on the re I'm on the repeating the same momentum and the same energy that they created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or some people might have the same topic. So I really try to get people totally different than me. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot totally of sense. Totally yeah. Or, but mm -hmm. lately, only lately I started getting opening acts again. But normally I do a show by myself. Mm, okay. Yeah, I have no So MCs. why did you start going back to an opener? Um, because the last part of this year I've been working so much. I wanted to take a little pressure off because I've been getting really, really tired. Mm, okay. So, I, but I don't give people a lot of time. You get like ten minutes, ten, twelve minutes. Mhm. Mm I said I don't get nobody no twenty-five minutes ahead of me. That's crazy. <laughs> but but if it's twenty-five minutes of something like you said, totally different, that by the time they get no, I don't want guys, nobody don't want when it's that. my show. When it's my show, nobody else can be seen that long but the headliner. Hmm. That's my comedy IQ. Mm-hmm. I, I get why yeah. you say that, but do you see the other side of that as well, though? But I don't care. That's why I worked hard to become oh, a headliner. Okay. okay, well, yeah, as long as you don't care. Okay, well, yeah. Yes, the, <laughs> the name on the marquee is T.K. Kirkland. They're not coming to right. see nobody else. Right. Mm -hmm. But even in that, you probably still shouldn't get on stage after your opener and tell everyone you didn't find them funny, but you would be willing to sleep with them, right? Well, that was 10 years ago, but you was that fine, baby. <laughs> well, thank so you, I but said, I'm just saying, I, I want to make sure that yeah, but it's, it's, for anyone no, no, no. that's open, open for you. <laughs> I said what I felt. Like, it, it, okay. I can't take that away. Like, I really find you very attractive, so I'm not, like, 
Going sugarcoat it. I, 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 you, you fine. What the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do? I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know? But, like, I mean, but let me say this as a woman in comedy. Let me say this as a woman in comedy. And this is, this is, I'm not speaking for all women in comedy. I'm speaking as a woman in comedy. Some women in comedy do play up their physicalities. And so they might have, you know, a lot of cleavage out or revealing outfits, whatever. I don't perform that way and I don't present that way because I really want people to hear this material I've taken time to develop and create to perform for them. And people are easily distracted, right? And so I take the compliment and I appreciate it. I would rather be seen as fuckable than not. Yeah, but However, I don't think you had anything like that on when I met you. No, I didn't. I know I didn't. So that's yeah. my point. Is so when I know yeah, I'm, I'm just giving you a professional... Straight- writing, comedian, I, that's how I am looking to be consumed. And so a woman can say to me when I get off stage, girl, you look so beautiful. Thank you. But, see, I was actually up there to be funny. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, I'm there to be funny. Now, if I was in a pageant, swimsuit competition, whatever, then, yeah, that's talk about it. That's what I'm there. That's what I'm showing. Well, let me but give you a little knowledge. I see where you're going. It. Yeah, but I see where you're going. But let me share something with you. Whenever there's a compliment involved, and it's to all my friends and people who are listening, whenever there's a compliment, you never devalue the compliment. You never tell the person, yeah, I like your compliment, but let me tell you why it's not really valid because of this, 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 and this. The way to handle a compliment is to say thank you. And whatever your personal thoughts are, that's something you keep to yourself. Unless that person said, oh, my God, I think you're such and such. Um, what do you think? And then you could say whatever. But whether it's on your beauty, whether it's your stand-up, whether, whatever it is, the goal is to say thank you and keep it moving. Because most people in this world would not just accept the compliment. They will fuck up the whole compliment, not understand it. It's a compliment. And whatever your personal thoughts are, whatever your journey was to this moment, that's your personal business. But what I'm saying is I thought you was beautiful. What I'm saying, I thought you was funny. What I thought, X, Y, Z, a compliment is a compliment. Please, to men and women, just accept the compliment. Sometimes I don't think I'm funny. But when some, but not because the jokes that come to my mouth are horrible. I could be just really, really tired. Like one of them shows I did in Birmingham, Alabama, I was just really up there on fumes, just trying to make it through. And I still was funny, but people knew me. Like, yeah, I could tell you was really tired. But I never said, to them, yeah, I was never funny. I don't think I was funny. I kept it to myself. So if they say you was funny, I say thank you. But I'll never go, oh, man, I was tired. I was doing these, this amount of shows all week, blah, blah, blah. Because at the end of the day, nobody cares. So I just agree FYI. with you, and I disagree. Okay, well, I can't I agree. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, 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 I can't. I, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, so I can't say this. Yes, you're I know, wrong. but you just want me to keep it to myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was know, the whole point like, was have yeah. your opinion and keep it to yourself. Yeah, have your opinion and keep it to yourself. Because most people want to reply, especially if they have a voice, especially a, um, a, a real, real intelligent woman like yourself. Y'all just can't be quiet. Y'all just, you feel like you have to answer to everything. And that's okay, but sometimes it's good to have wisdom and discipline. 
and you have wisdom and discipline, you realize you can't, not that it's a fight. You, here's the word. You can't address everything. So sometimes you just say thank you keep it moving. That's just me. That's just me. Well, can I ask you a question about what you just said? May I? Uh, what a, yeah, go ahead. So um, for the example you gave, you said, you know, sometimes intelligent women always feel like they, you know, have to be heard. So what is the uh, the opposite of that is why do men hate hearing from intelligent women? Because you you guys, instead of doing things short, you make something that's five minutes and the 15, 20 minutes repeating the same damn thing and it becomes repetitious and it becomes irritating. Okay. See, so, here's so, the, so now we're going down another path, but let me share this with you in life. <laughs> We're going to go down somewhere else, and that's not what I'm really trying to do, but I can share this with you. In life, men have been taught and trained how to deal with a woman when she's upset, when she's emotional, when she has a problem. What women haven't learned in this lifetime is how to deal with men when they have their situations. And this is the reason why most of the time we have the confusions that we have. See, because a man has been told what to do and been checked by a woman ever since he was a baby. Because your mother will say X, Y, and Z and do this and shut the fuck up and blah, 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 whatever the case may be. And we grow up and that's still something in your life. But what I always try to do is um, be respectful, be a gentleman, but when I'm on stage, that's my world. When I'm on stage, everything goes. When I put that mic in that mic stand and I come off that stage, I deal with the real world. So my ideology is not applied so much to the real world when I walk off that stage. But when I'm on there, it's like, fuck marriage. Um, you got to be dumb as hell. Um, I say whatever comes to mind it should be hilarious, and that's just the way I move. But I really don't apply it to um, life when I'm off the stage. I don't, I don't even I don't even use profanity when I'm off stage. Okay. Yeah, that's I don't curse at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, yeah. of course, you know I have more to say, but you know it's your show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'll give you two more questions. Go ahead. I'm going to see where you're going. <laughs> well, well, I feel like when you say men know how to handle women or how to interact or deal with women and women don't know that, I feel like that's generally the issue is that men are not emotionally intelligent and don't have the emotional bandwidth to have conversations with women that are meaningful. And so a woman is more than likely driving you crazy because she's trying to interact with you with that level of emotional intelligence. And for you or a man, it just sounds like blah, 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 blah. And so I don't think it's because men understand women so much because they learn to deal with their mom. It's usually the opposite. Their mom coddled them and gave them all this grace. And so when they grow up and then they start interacting with women, they really don't know how. And women are interacting the way she interacts with her coworkers, the way she interacts with her friends, the way she interacts with her family members. And then she tries to interact that same way with this man she cares for, and it's a brick wall. 
Well, I'm going to say this, and then we got to move on because that topic right there can take forever. <laughs> I agree. See, I agree. See, I'm in I'm in my 60s, and so I see the world differently than most people. Uh-huh. I believe certain things, being a gentleman, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, men have changed over the years. So, to in that to that particular topic, um, there's never going to be a right or wrong answer. Because all your experiences, all the people who are listening, all their experiences, all my experiences has led us to this point at this particular time to give these particular answers. So I can't say that you're wrong based on your path. I can't I can't be wrong based on my path. The people who are listening right. can't be wrong based on their path. So we all are right to some extent. So what's the next question? Uh, what do you want to be remembered for, for one, your career, and two, as a person in your lifetime? Um, that I, I really helped a lot of people, and that's what will come out. Like, I don't have to have acknowledgement for it. Only lately in stand-up I've been talking about the DLs, the Godfreys, and people whose lives I've changed. And there's a lot of other people not even super, super famous that um, lives I've changed and that's an awesome feeling. Even with this podcast, um, thousands of people, when I'm traveling the world, the things of the, the knowledge and the stuff I've given from Blad TV to the Breakfast Club, the Drink Champs, you know, they, people have um, connected with me. And I never saw that coming. But it's, it's been a good feeling. So, you know, that's, what I will be remembered for. So um, that's pretty much it. And then I, I was a phenomenal businessman and a great dad. But only my kids really know that. I keep my personal life um, quiet. And to the women I've ever dated in my life, that I was a fabulous lover. So there's levels to that. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm live. I like the way you added that in. Um, so I, I will say, so now I can say my memory of T.K. Kirkland, has been updated to say he was gracious enough to offer an apology 10 years taken. And um, mm-hmm. I thought that was, um, I really appreciate you for that because, again, you could have chosen not to. So thank you. Oh, no, I had you, talked you, to a few people about you. I have a new memory. <laughs> yeah, I, th- this was very important to me. I had some other things on my schedule to do on this podcast, but I wanted to make sure I did this interview with you today. It was everything. It was it, it was on my mind every day since I saw you. <laughs> Thank I you. I said I'm That's gonna really do this. Mm-hmm. I was gonna make well, sure. Let me, let me, I also have one more. I do have one more. You gave me the wonderful uh-huh. apology a week or two ago, and then you told me I left an impression on you. Um, was that impression something outside of any kind of physical, like? You felt something about my spirit, my energy. My no, I felt that after all these years, you. No, I felt all after all these years, you took care of yourself, and you still was as beautiful as when I met you ten years ago, and that was impressive oh. to me because most people fall off. Most people don't take care of themselves, so that's what I wanted. That's why I did what I did. Oh, okay. Well, because I was looking at you like, wow, she really looks good. Not that I wanted. to lay on top of you. I'm just like, wow, she took care of herself. And I just like the way that um, you looked. That was it. 
Well, thank you. Uh, I, look, I will have my thoughts about the compliment later, but thank you. <laughs> okay, yep, just take the compliment. Yep, there you go. Just take the compliment. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's <laughs> give everybody your um, let's give everybody your Instagram and how they can see some of your performances as well. Okay, my name is Eunice Elliott. That's E U N I C E E L L I O T T. I'm at Eunice Elliott. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. And my website is EuniceElliott.com. So I'm very easy to find. If it doesn't say obituary next to Eunice when you Google me, then it's me. I'm one of the last active duty Eunices in these streets. Okay, that's Maintain good. Maintain my mama's name. Yeah, you can find me. Okay, that's good. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, you know she has to mean <laughs> something special because, like I said, she was so sincere when I sat down and talked to her. And this... um this interview, this conversation was so important that I got it on the air, and I just want to thank everybody. Now, um, December 15th, ladies and gentlemen, 16th or 17th, you know, I've been working like crazy for the last 20 years, but since the pandemic, I haven't been back to this place, and this right here is on the top of my list. It was Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm looking forward to next year when I come back, because I forgot how amazing the Stardome um, was. And I hope not to be as tired. So I hope when I get there next time, I didn't come off like nine, ten shows back-to-back. I really want to be really, really well-rested. But the one that's coming up now is the Baltimore Comedy Factory. You guys have not seen me since 2018 with the pandemic. When they started back, my schedule has been so insane. I had to cancel two, three, four times. And shout-out to Cincinnati. Um, I'll have you guys on the list, too. I canceled with you guys a lot this year. I think, like, fucking four times. And I really apologize. But um, Baltimore Comedy Factory, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, make sure you get your tickets. Go to BaltimoreComedyFactory.com. Get them tickets for T to the MFK. And to all my fans listening as well, my special is doing well. Um, It's called T to the MFK, and it's on my own network. You're not going to find it on Tubi or Netflix or HBO. I got my own S-H-I-T, and it's TK.network. Please pick it up. Use code TK. To get 50% off, you're going to laugh from beginning to end. I promise you that. All right? To all my fans around the world, London, UK, not a damn. Japan, Australia, Israel, Dubai, uh, uh, um, uh, Senegal, and Africa, uh, Mexico, um, Cabo, I mean, Compton, California, Los Angeles, Jersey City, New Jersey, North New Jersey, Miami, Liberty City, Jacksonville. Thank you guys so much. And please follow this sister. Um, I'm trying to make it up to her. So you guys follow her. And um, if you love her stuff, give her uh, a 100 or a heart, whatever people do today. And if um, you love her stuff to agents or people who do, Comedy shows, Booker, you know, Booker. 
and she handles her own business like I do, so I like that. And um, Miss Janice, I hope that you find my apology graceful and sincere, and I wish you the best. And if I get anything open for you, I'll definitely give you a call so I can book you as well. I appreciate you, Mr. Kirkland, thoroughly. I appreciate yep. it. Thank you. You got it, Donna. Thank you for recognizing, beautiful. You take care of yourself, okay? <laughs> All right, you too. I'll take care now. Make sure you follow TK Kirkland on Instagram at TK underscore Kirkland. For more information about upcoming events and more, visit www.officialtkkirkland.com. This episode of the TK Kirkland Show was produced by Chris Thomas, executively produced by Charlemagne the God. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.